0: Today's episode is brought to you by M1 Finance, a new online broker that automates your investments. Once you tell M1 Finance what stocks and ETFs you want in your portfolio, they keep you balanced automatically as you put money in and take money out. And M1 Finance does all of this with no commissions, just a low annual fee of 0.35%. Visit m1finance.com listen and get your first six months of service for free. M1 Finance is a registered broker-dealer, member F-I-N-R-A, S-I-P-C.
1: Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. If you have to choose between maintaining your car or your body, you should definitely go with your body. My name is Thomas. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? And what are you drinking? And is it maintaining your body? Mm. <laughs> well, now you don't want to tell me.
0: <laughs> uh, it is maintaining my body. I, I would say it's a beer, but this is, it says on the label, beer for breakfast stout. So, oh, there you go. Hey, I you know, yeah, every balanced. Breakfast. Yeah, you need a good breakfast. Uh, it's from Dogfish Head. That's delicious. As Ron
1: Swanson would say, breakfast food is basically the meaning of life. Mm. So, there you go. I'm drinking water, but it's in this really cool bottle that says DFTBA uh dftb active which is a nice uh little pun but dftba sent me this for christmas what is DFTBA which i thought was pretty cool. dftba is the site that sells my t-shirts ah it, it, so it was like cool some christmas acronym i thought it them. was gonna
0: be dirty or something
1: don't forget to be awesome <laughs> ah that oh that's yeah. actually really cool they sent me a Christmas card that had a picture of John Green's face on it and it said pizza for some reason. I didn't get that, but like a bunch of people in the warehouse had signed it and then they gave me this water bottle. So I'm drinking some water out of it. Uh, 0. 0.0 ABV. Pretty hardcore, I know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty uh, excited to get into this episode. Catchphrase this week came from Jesse in our community, which is over at pro.lessomanymatters.com. Or wait, is it? Do we have a direct link to that?
0: Yeah, so if you go would, to listen, you can go to listenmymatters slash community or pro. It's like in bootstrapping mode or something.
1: Yeah. Well, it is functional enough for you to send in your catchphrases, and if they happen to be pop songs with money puns, Andrew would be happy to sing them in a high pitched mm. voice for you. Damn right. Uh, you can also tweet us those catchphrases over at Money Matters Man on Twitter and. In this episode, I'm really excited to get into it and talk with our guest today because our guest is Cheryl O'Lachlan, who is the CEO of um, Rebel, which is a line of herb-based healthy drinks that I've actually seen in the store before, and the author of a new book called Killing It, which is about balancing your life either as an entrepreneur or an employee with all the other things that uh, come with life. And I think that's why (laughs) we want to talk with Cheryl on this episode because Andrew and I are constantly struggling with that. Uh, mm-hmm. She's also formerly the CEO of Cliff Bar, and I eat a lot of Cliff Bar, so that's really cool, and a line of organic baby food called Plum. So, Cheryl, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to be here, but I'm bummed that you're not drinking a Rebel.
1: I know. Yeah, if I would have known. the I, Like we were talking before we recorded, um, the Whole Foods in my city is like 45 minutes away from me, which is unacceptable, <laughs> but I'm moving in three months, and I will be Within walking distance of a Whole Foods, I'm really excited about that.
2: That's awesome! You'll have to buy out the whole shelf then, share Chir- yep. it with all your friends. Mm-hmm. I
0: hear you're drinking, drinking something saying. though.
2: I'm drinking yeah. a Rebel. I'm drinking a dark chocolate protein Rebel, and it is unbelievably good.
0: So, <laughs> so not to like soft lob this to you, but I'd actually never heard of Rebel before. Um, what what is it? Will it make it's me a- like stronger?
2: <laughs> it will make you stronger physically and mentally because it's a it's a creamy, indulgent coconut milk based elixir and it's made from the best of the plant queendom actually. And what we're doing with this drink is really educating people of the benefits of super herbs. Things like turmeric with its anti inflammatory and antioxidant properties and Herb adaptogens is what they're called, uh, like ashwagandha, which helps your actually your individual body adapt to stress.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Now, I have seen them on the shelves before when I happened to be at Whole Foods, but I haven't tried one. Uh, so what's your favorite flavor? they will just take your recommendation. Dark
2: chocolate protein, man. Chocolate the- all the way.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can, I can get behind that. I, <laughs> I eat way too much chocolate. <laughs> I have to You've keep it out several. of the house.
2: We've got several so we can keep you ocup- occupied.
1: So because it's coconut milk based, I actually used to drink coconut milk. Um, actually, you know what? I'm getting mixed up right now. I used to drink rice milk. So is coconut milk really thin like rice milk or is it still oh, yeah, creamy it like an almond milk,
2: super creamy and indulgent and so delicious? Just awesome. have to try it.
1: I will definitely try it. So for the purposes of our show today, though, we're talking about your new book, which is called Killing It. And I think I entered it a little bit a couple seconds ago, but how would you describe what Killing It is attempting to teach people?
2: Well, so Killing It is about keeping your head and not being swept away by the ups and downs that go on every day, whether it be as an entrepreneur or, as you said, in an employee in a in a company with really big goals. And so it's, it's about how to keep your heart truly in the game. And entrepreneurs and, and many people, especially in startups, are so are dedicated and persistent. And that's what makes us so good at what we do. But there's a dark side of those same traits, obsession, depression. Mm-hmm. And there's only a sliver mm-hmm. of a line between the light and the dark. And we could talk about this more, but ex- after experiencing your bankruptcy from our family company and the stress of doing an investor-supported startup, I crossed over that line and suffered from a serious eating disorder. And what I wrote this book about is that because I, I came back from that adventure, that journey, if you will, wiser about my self-worth and knowing that I am not. My company and smarter about how how to run a startup in a healthy and joyful way.
0: That uh, spoke to me in in so many ways. Uh, can can you talk about the ups and the downs? Because whenever I sit down and talk with people, just about like I, I feel it's almost like me. I don't think that I'm like off my rocker, but I, I'm like high highs and low lows, you know, sometimes the business is doing great and I am on the moon or just life is hard and I'm I'm not doing as good. Like can can you talk a bit about that?
2: You know, you described it perfectly, and that was, you're you're getting something that I truly didn't get for a long, long time. I had an uh, investor named Jed who said to me, one of the things you've got to understand is not to ride the ups and the downs. And I thought what he meant was, don't ride the downs. Things are going to go hard, but just don't get so wrapped up in the downs. Mm -hmm. But what he meant was exactly what you just said what you have to be careful of is riding those ups too high and riding the downs too low. It's that extreme of being going from one day to the next or hour by hour, up and down and up and down, depending on what the moment brings you. And a startup is about a, an adventure, and an adventure that hopefully will go on for a long time. So it's keeping your head straight, while you're going through that and not being whipsawed with what's happening on a moment moment by moment basis,
1: that makes a lot of sense, Andrew. I feel like we've talked before about how, you know, the occasional rare instance where you get like a viral hit mm. on a blog post or a video or something, and um, in my experience, like the one or two times that has happened in my life, it's awesome. But there's also a dark side to it. It's a hangover because. Yeah, like the next day, you know, that giant hockey stick comes back down and then you're left like wondering, all right, well, when is, when is the next one coming?
0: Like, you know? uh, Listen, Money Matters killed it, like ultra killed it in November, but we're in December right now and December is <laughs> a little rough for me. Uh, well, and
2: I think, I think what's also important in what you're saying, which again, I didn't get in the beginning, is what you start to equate those ups and downs with if you're in the worst case scenario, is yourself and your self worth, and mm-hmm. saying, I suck at this moment, or mm-hmm, yeah. look how great I am in this moment. It, it, that's not what it's about at about it all. That's not who you are. That's not your worth of, as a person. That organization, that company will be there with you in your life for a certain period of time, but your life mm-hmm. is going to go way beyond that. And we've got to keep that stuff in perspective.
1: So so we can sort of set the stage here and, you know, enable ourselves to contrast the good with the bad. Can you talk about your experience before having these realizations with your previous company?
2: Yeah, you know, things, there were a lot of things that came together in that moment. And, you know, a big one was, there were a number of big ones, but in terms of, I, my husband and I started our companies at the exact same time. Now I look back and they say, what the heck were we thinking? <laughs> but we did. Um, it is what it is. And our, our philosophy behind it was, okay, I'm going to do an investor-based startup and mm-hmm. he's going to do a startup that's based on starting it out of, out of our own money. And we thought okay so for his we're going to control our destiny for mine we might not control it as much but we're not taking as much personal risk so we thought we had the perfect balanced portfolio right <laughs> so then right from the beginning my hu- my husband was working on this com- this company and it was this wonderful concept any parent's dream it was it was a this uh Club called Blue Sky Family Club, and it was the antithesis to to Chuck E. Cheese. It was, you know, healthy healthy activities for kids that are creative and physical, and there would be really good tasting healthy food for parents, and it would be this place where the community would gather. Wonderful concept, right? Every Mm -hmm. parent loved it. Yeah, that thing crashed and burned so fast, your head would spin. (laughs) And I remember the moment when Patrick came home from that experience of of realizing what had happened and that the company was going to need to be closed. He came home that day and he was white as a ghost and I, I said what's wrong? And he, he literally couldn't speak I don't know if it to this day if it was five minutes or an hour but I sat there wondering what is going on and he finally said to me it's gone. It's all gone. Our money is all gone. We have nothing. The company is going to have to close down. And it was all because we had burnt through all this money before it even opened because of delays with the city. And I can go into Mm. details of that. But, you know, I said to him later, just recently, I said, why was it so hard for you to express in that moment? What was going through your head? And he said, because I knew as soon as I opened my mouth that our lives would change forever. Mm. And we almost went bankrupt as a result of that. We just paid back. That was in 2007, we, 2008. We just paid back our SBA loan at the beginning of this year.
0: Wow. Wow. And
2: it was intense. And at the same time, he was he would hold me in bed. And he He didn't want me to leave. And I had to push myself out of that bed because I had to get to my startup. And here we have two little kids, too. At mm-hmm. the time, there were eight and five, and I had to get to my startup. And so I'd pull myself out of the bed, and then I'd go into my work, and the ups and downs would happen. It would be, mm. oh, my God, we got a new customer. This is wonderful. The next second, uh, oh, my God, it looks like we burned through a ton of cash, and we need more money. It was like that all day long. So every day, I was going through these terrible downs at home and these ups and downs at work and it just all crap' crashing in front of me
0: so what did you change um, to to handle it because uh, the the business is still gonna be ups and downs you know you get that big client one month and then maybe you lose a big client another month um, but like you said you can't let that drag you into the mud
2: yeah. Yeah, well, it took me years to realize it. Um, I now, with my company Rebel, all this learning has kind of come together in terms of, for me, it started with picking the right partners that were part of the company, partners that all got the philosophy of the fact that a company is filled with human beings. And I know that Mm -hmm. sounds so silly to express it that way, but I think what we do is dehumanize companies. Uh, I, I, many times, the philosophies with investors is they've got to push you harder and harder and harder and harder to the point where you almost break. And the thinking is, well, that's going to get you. That's going to get you the horse to go, and you're going to go mm. really fast because you're being whipped. Yeah. But at the same time. That is the last thing that the company needs. The company mm-hmm. needs investors like I have now, where I I, I call my investor Dwayne every single week. Why? I, I don't have to. He doesn't need me to. Because I want to, because I trust him implicitly every day. I even said to him, this was just earlier this week, I said, hey, Dwayne, you know, I'm going to make myself really vulnerable with you right now. So I want to let you know, hey, we just had this big board meeting. I sold everybody on on this perspective on our numbers. And I went to sleep at night and I started thinking, I, I I sold the wrong thing. I don't feel good about what I sold in. I think that I need to change um, what we talked about. And I thought that he would be like, what is wrong with you, Cheryl? Why are you doing this? You need to make your uh, CEO. You need to make decisions and be decisive, decisive in that to be that. And rather what he said to me is, Let's talk through this. Let me understand. And let me work through it with you so we can come to a good conclusion at the end. And at the end of the conversation, I said, You know, Dwayne, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you for supporting me. And he said, Cheryl, I want you to know that every day that we spend talking to each other and we talk to each other in this way, I'm going to become way better at my job as an investor when I I embrace that. And so the learning is not just for me, it's for him and it's for all of us as a company. And so what I embraced in being part of this company was... Bringing together people that get that humanness and can support Mm -hmm. each other, even through the hardest times, because that's how we come out as a stronger company, and that's the philosophy that needs to be changed in how we look at startups. In that they're human, and that we're going to support them through ups and downs, and we're going to have to make some tough decisions, absolutely, but know that human beings are a part of it, and it's going to make our company companies stronger. I can almost promise you that because of what I'm seeing now in my company. So it that sounds awesome. like,
0: yeah, uh, it's, it sounds like from what you've learned, you uh, mindfully constructed the team and, and put people around you who uh, subscribe to the same thought that it's not just squeaking another dollar out. It's, you know, to, 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 i guess use your example you know you have to treat the horses well you have to treat yourself well but what if uh you're not in control of the situation and not to say that when you're a ceo of cliff bar your your bosses and everyone has a boss were the worst but uh like how do you kind of manage yourself or what you do when when you can't control your team
2: yeah, yeah, and I have to say, at Cliff Bar, Cliff Bar was the place where I learned this philosophy from the beginning. Um, mm. Gary Erickson, who's the the founder and owner of Cliff Bar, is amazing, and same with his wife, Kit. And they really taught me about the humanity and business. But it wasn't it wasn't until I went through the ups and the downs that I really understood what they meant at mm. the end of the day. Um, so I, that's critically important. I've been in a situation where I had a toxic investor, um, and one of the mistakes I made was that I was afraid to talk about it. I was afraid, quite frankly, oh, you know, it's something's wrong with me. I'm just not able to handle it. And I've got to be honest, for a woman in business, there's even more pressure mm-hmm. to be able to almost stand up against stereotypes that are out there, especially where there aren't many women entrepreneurs. And I hope that changes. There aren't many women investors. I hope that changes. Not because men in any way are bad, but I think that once you get women and men together in enough of a balance, it changes the philosophy of everything, um, bringing the best of both worlds together. And so I what I wish I would have done is I wish I would have talked to somebody. i've I had other um, investors who, kind of started poking a little bit and saying what's going on and I wasn't willing to share. And man, do Hmm. I wish that I did because I think it would have changed my experience with the company and it would have uh, changed other people's experiences in the company. But not only that, it would have helped other entrepreneurs who were potentially going to be partnering with this investor. Yeah. Um, I I learned my lesson. I learned that as entrepreneurs, and not just as entrepreneurs, but people in companies, we have the potential of having a tribe, our, a tribe of entrepreneurs, where we can open up to each other and support each other um, between our four walls. And quite frankly, I have this great. Cry test. If you can't cry with the people that you're with that are supporting you, then those aren't the right people. And you need to find other people. You need (laughs) people like that around you but you know as entrepreneurs we don't we don't do that because we're so used to being out there and selling our vision and you know bringing employees into the company even if we can hardly pay them any anything because we believe so much and selling suppliers and coming in because of that and quite frankly investors we're mm-hmm. so used to selling and yes we have to do that that's part of the job because if you don't believe in your company no one else will but at the same time we need to have people that we can go to and say, I need support, I need help. Have you experienced this before? Is this a good investor? Is this a are these good people to bring into your company? It's only after the fact we laugh about it as people who've been through entrepreneurship a couple times. We we call ourselves recovering entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because that's when we start saying, Yeah, I had some shit, bad shit that happened too. Look, listen mm-hmm. to my story. Why aren't we talking about that in the midst of it happening so we can support each other?
1: Yeah. So for you, was it almost this feeling like uh, with that original toxic investor that, you know, I'm just, I'm fortunate to even have an investor. So I should just put my personal feelings on the back burner and, and use this to get ahead as much as I can kind of feeling.
2: Yeah. And, and also there, I had many investors in the company. So there, it it was uh, that, I, I fundraised by the way, I've been raised in my life eight times, (laughs) which is a lot. So, um, yeah, so I've been through that many times and have learned. And yes, in the beginning, it was, my God, look at somebody is continuing to support the growth of our company. I -hmm. can't believe it. This is amazing. (laughs) How how have we done that? And some things in the back of my mind is like, oh, my God, we tricked another one, you know. Uh, (laughs) But what I had learned over the course of time because of that was the thrivability of that company is really dependent on the choice of people that you bring mm-hmm. into it. Right from day one, that dollar, that moment between, it's like take a pause between the moment when you decide, hey, this is what I'm going to do and that you take the, take the dollar. Think about it for another moment another day another week another month that moment will change the course of the company either mm. in in good ways or in bad ways so it's critical to know why you're doing the company what are you in it for and then make choices that are going to help support that vision
1: what do you Do you do? have a written set of criteria when you're vetting investors or when you're vetting employees or anything that you, like a written set of values that kind of guides you, or do you just kind of know from experience and go with your gut?
2: Um, that's a really good question. And I, for me, it is so important to be really clear on what the purpose is behind the company. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that obsessively in our company. Uh, the reason why we're doing it, the reason why people come to work every day, what is the meaning behind our work? And for for Rebel, which I can get into, but the the main basis of the company, the way that it was started, was to eradicate modern-day human trafficking, and we can talk about that extensively since it affects 30 million people around the world in the sex and slave trade that many people are not aware of because it's a scary uh, topic to talk about. But that is why we're doing what we're doing. 2.5% of our net sales goes to not for sale, which is the nonprofit that actually started us originally um, in order to help them to do their great work. So to us, that is why we're doing the company. So when we're picking Hmm. partners, if they don't believe in that philosophy, and again, that philosophy could be intimidating in terms of us putting it out there in the world If they're not bought in, they are not the right partner for us. So what I do with my companies is I'm very deliberate of making sure that I'm writing down the purpose behind it. I have Mm -hmm. now what I call our vision tree, which lays out for everybody what our purpose is, what our values are, uh, what is really important down to the core. And at the core of this vision tree is that it's rooted in love. And Mm -hmm. I could talk about love forever because to me, we don't talk about it uh, enough in business. And it's the basis of, uh, to me, it's the basis of life and being in love with what we do and who we surround ourselves with. So if, if people are not part of that philosophy of our company, then it's not the right people to be part of it.
3: This episode is sponsored by M1 Finance. There are a lot of new investing apps and tools out there, but M1 is truly different and worth trying out. M1 lets you customize and automate your investments. The platform is simple to understand, easy to manage, and inexpensive. You control what percent of your money goes into various stocks and ETFs, and M1 does all the work to enact your plan. M1 uses fractional shares, so every penny gets invested according to your plan. You get all that with no commissions, just a low 0.35% annual fee. And it doesn't matter how big or small your account is. Start with as little as $100. Go to m1finance.com listen. Our friends there will give you six months of service for free. You get custom portfolios, automated rebalancing, fractional shares with no commissions. Go to m1finance.com slash listen. M1 Finance is a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC.
0: When you first started talking and you were describing uh, the journey um, one of the words you used was obsession and uh I, I really resonate with that and i've often described what i feel like a successful business like how you create a successful business you don't have to be like obsessed with it um but that can absolutely be unhealthy so how do you uh taper that
2: uh, the biggest thing is being conscious of the potential. And, you know, it's interesting, there was a study done by a gentleman named Dr. Michael Freeman. Dr. Michael Freeman, who's a psychiatrist and also a professor at Berkeley, Cal Berkeley. And he did the first study of its kind, as far as I know, the only study that's been done to date, which actually found a correlation between entrepreneurs and things like ADHD, drug abuse, manic depression, depression, and So there's a real potential there, and there's so many different demons, and you you pick any one Mm. demon, but there's the potential there, so I think it's being open about it, it's understanding that that is the potential, and I would say it's on a spectrum, we have to remember – the one it's all on the same spectrum one side of it is the light again it's what makes you good as an entrepreneur head down persistent obsessive willing mm-hmm. to do anything to make your startup work but you can see how that has a progression and it's shades and shades and shades to a dark side that yeah. where the the same thing can come out on, on the opposite side of things and man you know i think my God, w- the day would be so wonderful if investors coming into a company and board members say, I know this is an intense situation that this entrepreneur is going to be in. And so in order to help that, I'm going to offer this entrepreneur resources that they can turn to confidentially to help. It's not going to be us because, mm-hmm. you know, it, just, it doesn't make sense. They can't open up enough with us. Although yeah. my investors in my company, actually, I believe differently, but I know that's somewhat rare. Uh, On a large
1: scale, it would be hard.
2: On a large scale, it would be hard. But what if investors and board members can say, here's a business therapist that you can talk to that can Mm. help you if you need to. We don't want to know anything about it, but we know there's many entrepreneurs that have used this. So don't feel like it's it's a cry if you're doing that. It's not bad to need Help. Everybody needs help. And I would say that to any employee of the company, of any company, and we are so deliberate about this in my company, is to say, "Help." saying help is strength. It is not a weakness. It's a shame Mm -hmm. that we say that it's a, a weakness. And every single person in our company knows when someone cries out for help. We It is all of our duty to step in and, and help that person in any way possible, and it's going to come back to us on the other side. In fact, I laugh about it because I have every week at our company meeting, anyone is allowed to stand up and say, I need a pity party. And we all celebrate the pity party for that person, whatever it may be. That's what we need. We need to mm. support each other and celebrate the word help.
1: I think that's an excellent philosophy. I don't know if you guys see it the exact same way as I do, but when a friend of mine or when my girlfriend is having a hard time, I find it easy to be empathetic and I put a lot of work into being supportive. But then when I'm struggling with something, I have had this self-image of like, I'm an entrepreneur. I do hard work. I succeed for so long that it's so tempting to just tell myself like, no, you, you don't fail and you don't get like this. Just so just stop. And it can be really easy to fall into some of the darker sides, uh, you know, of that that line, like you're talking about. Because I just like tell myself, you you particularly are not allowed to feel these things. Mm. So I think building a culture that basically does not let people like me say that and keep saying that is really smart.
2: I think that you bring up a very good point too about your wife or anyone with significant others is that we something that happens so much with entrepreneurs so many times is that we think that they don't understand and you know we're having a hard time we need to focus obsessively about our uh, on our company and we kind of start blocking out the most important people in our lives mm. and to the detriment of to, uh, to ourselves and also to our partners, and that's why you know there's so many divorces that happen with people that are in startups. It is they they are the light. You you had said you know how do you keep yourself from going in the dark side? It's having people that you love to be able to be there and to support you in it, and giving knowing that. There's a reason why you're together, and it's it's because you have this partnership, and a partnership goes to everything, not just sitting down and having a glass of wine together or talk about the hard times you're having with your kids. It goes through Mm -hmm. your whole life, so having those conversations and forcing yourself into them— are so incredibly important. And not just for you, it's also for them is to say Mm -hmm. to your significant other, let me hear about you. What's going on with you in your life? Because so many times, again, we're like, ah, they don't get it. We have so much going on, their problems are not important. It goes both ways. That's what makes a relationship um, live forever which mm-hmm. is the goal I have with my husband. And so and we nurture this every single day, even if it's hard sometimes to do it.
1: Yeah, I try to remind myself that all the time with my girlfriend because it can be so easy to, to look at that as a stable rock and then to take, take it for granted, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with... Because I get this feeling like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been doing this for years and she's, you know, not exactly like me. But I feel like a lot of the problems we face... You know, even if on the surface it's like, "Oh, your WordPress database got corrupted," or this investor doesn't like this, uh, you know, proposal for the round of funding that you're going for, that might be the surface-level problem, and maybe yeah. your significant other doesn't completely understand that. But there are core emotions that they do understand, yes. which is something I've learned. Like Anna can pinpoint how I'm feeling, even if the surface reason is something that only I really know about.
2: That, that's very interesting. I hadn't even thought about it in that way. That is a really good point. The commonality between us all and human beings is, is we feel right. We're emotional mm-hmm. people. That's, that's an excellent point.
0: Cheryl, I, uh, really resonate with what you just said. And when I started my thing, um, I, I single-handedly put Laura and I on the ropes because my focus wow. was so razor sharp in you know the next thing um, and kind of and I'm not even going to say that I'm always better at it but I guess my question to you is like uh, how do you approach ma- being good or, or setting habits in place so you don't go down the rabbit hole and, and forget about your people <laughs>
2: yes I have learned some ways the hard way and uh, you know it's understanding that those connections are your lifeblood and that's what is so ultimately important in 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 your life and m- maybe that sounds a little bit trite but I know when I was at my Deepest, darkest place, and I knew I finally came to realize that I had an eating disorder, and I decided to do something about it. As I was going through the worst parts of it, and you know, being and you know, going to nutrition therapy and therapy, I was going to a therapist three times a week, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is so freaking intense!" And I, some, so, I wanted to give up so many times, and I would come home. And I looked into my kids' eyes, and I would say, I'm doing this for me, and I'm doing this for them, and I'm doing this for my husband, mm-hmm. and I have to do this. I have to make it work. I have to push my way through. And I actually um, would bring my kids, brought them twice, I think, to um, this this nutrition therapist with me, and... It was an an amazing experience because the nutrition therapist said, "I want you to I want to explain to you how your mommy is thinking," and and she would say things like, "Okay, well she took she took out a bag of pennies and a bag of quarters," and she said, "Your mommy doesn't understand that she's only eating pennies. She's happy because she's eating lots of pennies because I used to eat, you know." vegetables like they're coming out of my face and she doesn't get that you need she needs to eat quarters because quarters are going to make her really healthy Mm. and to have my kids get that and then to come home at night for them and they would say to me mommy are you eating pennies or are you eating quarters I mean Mm. that is intense that keeps you grounded on what's important in your life
1: Mm. wow so Cheryl, can you talk about some of the daily habits that you have for maintaining this balance between your work and the health of your personal life?
2: Yeah, well, um, first of all, I do work a lot of days out of my house because I know I want to be there when my kids come home from school. Mm-hmm. And that was really important to me when I went um, back to a day-to-day job, which I had thought I and claimed I was never going to do <laughs> ever again. Um, but here I'm an entrepreneur and then you find yourself falling back into it. Um, my kids, they have, we have these bunnies and so they'll come into my room and they pick up their bunnies and they cut if they come in and we have to hug the bunnies for a minute that's you know that's part of our thing and then i'll go back to doing what i'm doing but we hug the bunnies and when it's time to have dinner we have absolutely no cell phones anywhere close to that dinner table and we talk smart we look at each other we share (laughs) stories and when the kids are done They get up, they clean their dishes, and my husband and I will sit there afterwards and just talk and catch up on our days and catch up on how we're feeling, what's going on. And yeah, you know, there's times where I have to get back on my computer and I'll do that for maybe an hour or so, but then it is shutdown time. And Mm. my husband, if I don't shut down... He's going to shut my computer down. Um, <laughs> in order to have some semblance of control, I make sure I do it, and he doesn't do it first. Uh-huh. And then we sit together, and we, we hug on the couch, and we watch stupid shit together, but we're spending time together. And then mm. I go to sleep, and I wake up, and I feel refreshed again because I haven't been working all freaking night. Mm-hmm. So those kind of little things, we're going on vacation are, are we said to each other, the whole family? We're going to put our phones in a basket, and when the phone is on the basket, that means we're spending all that time together until the basket comes out again. No one's mm. allowed on their phones. So little things like that make yeah. a difference.
1: I, I like. Do you have that. any kind of uh, like morning routine you go through?
2: Oh yeah, I uh, I have. You know, I get up and I do my workout, and you know, I I might. Take a look at my emails to make sure there's nothing critical going on, but I make sure I have some time for myself in the morning where I'm kind of just into my own head what needs to be done. I clear out some of my emails so I'm not feeling frantic when I, when I get into things, and then I'm ready to start. But my team knows I start meetings a little bit later on in the day. I usually don't start meetings till about ten thirty. That's because mm-hmm. I need to make sure I got my head on straight before that. And yeah, I might have gotten another thing done with with someone in our company a little bit earlier. But I know when I'm in the situation with them, and I usually have meetings pretty intensely till about five o'clock. But I know when I'm doing those meetings that I can focus on them. And I'm in the headspace to focus on them. It's not everyone's routine, but that's my routine. And I think people need to understand what it is that helps them and make sure that we're really clear on if we're doing something in our companies and it's sucking us dry, we have to be really conscious of that and change it. It is our in our control to change that. And one of the things that I've realized is when I don't say no, and I'm only saying yes, and I'm sucking myself dry, um, I'm not doing myself a service and I'm not doing other people a service because it, it doesn't say to them, listen, I need you to respect my time and who I am and vice versa, I'm gonna respect your time and who you are. And mm-hmm. we're we're not open about that with each other and creating boundaries, then we're 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 not we're not supporting each other in the growth of the relationship and the growth of ourselves as people. So again, we're human beings. Let's remember that in our company. <laughs> we're at work every day.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I've been trying to work on it in my own life. I used to get up and just immediately check email, like in bed, and then try to start working. Uh, And now I try to use the mornings similarly to the way you do, get a workout in, do some reading, meditate a bit. Um, And it can be hard because I feel like making that time takes away from my work time because I also want to spend time making dinner with my girlfriend at night and hanging out with her. But I, I think it's important to have that balance, even if it does result in maybe not achieving as much as quickly
2: you know and it's so interesting that you say it because i think that's that's what we all believe especially as americans right now mm-hmm. um and many people throughout the world but i actually believe the opposite now that i've been through what i'm what i'm going through now and i feel like finally getting how to do this right is that that makes us that much more productive in the moments that we're actually focused on mm. what uh, our work, I th- think that we're driving ourselves to the point where we are not productive anymore. It's yeah. past that point, and if I'm in it, I'm in it, and I'm focused. Mm-hmm. But the only way that's enabling me to truly be focused is because I'm taking the time to clear my head, and you know, my um, one of my. Board members, Mark, he is so good about saying, "I I know that there is a certain point of time where I've gotten past that." And his, his actually, his wife Maura holds him to it and says, "You're done. You you need to shut down. <laughs> this is too much. You are not going to go in tomorrow and be able to be productive and focus with your with your team. Mm-hmm. Stop it. And we need to stop it. We've got to understand that being out in the world." Being able to be in a creative headspace and then bringing that to our work in a calm way, that's what is going to make our companies great. We need to learn that. It's critical.
1: Yeah. And I think it's going to make anyone's life great, even if they're not running a company. Yeah. If you're even an employee. uh, I was reading recently about an experiment that uh, I think it was a researcher from BYU did where she had consultants. Not be contactable by their clients for two weeks. And oh, after six at first yeah. they were, yeah, and at first they were like, no, we can't do that. Our clients are going to hate, you know, not being able to have us on call all the time. Uh, the clients didn't care, And productivity and revenue went up. so wow, it's it's, it's so important, I think, to have that shutdown time um, to rejuvenate your mind and to be able to work with intensity once you get back into it.
2: That's right. And and we always talked about a lot at Plum is having times to rest and recover. And we talk Mm -hmm. about that, that a lot now at Rebel is that, yes, startup is intense but people were again as human beings we can't take that level of intensity for that long without a break it's just not humanly possible so think about it you know and we know this as athletes right you know you you know as mm-hmm. an athlete I, I i've done a ton of marathons, and I know that I have to have time to rest and recover when, I, when I'm training for a marathon. It just yeah. is the way it is. My body would break down if I didn't do that. But yet, when we put ourselves in the t- same intensity, or even more so, because it's so intensely mental, mental and physical, mm-hmm. we don't we don't bring that same philosophy into the com- companies. And it just yeah. it doesn't make sense. And I think it is like a societal construct that as we're talking about it, and I love that you're willing to talk about it on this show, is that eventually it will break down that philosophy and it will change. But it's going to take time and open conversations to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, hopefully scary. this contributes to that. Yeah, It is. Um, but it's something I think about a lot and I'm not perfect at, but do think about it. Same. So Cheryl, this has been a fantastic conversation and uh, I'm going to take a break after this episode and see if I can go find a revel drink. There might be one at the other grocery store. I'm going to go check. Uh, now, I know you have your book killing it on Amazon. Is there anywhere else you would want people to go to connect with you or to, or to look at your work?
2: Yeah, thank you for asking. And, and thank you, by the way. I've had such a blast. You guys are awesome. Thank you for thank what you you're doing. It really is very, very, very cool. Um, yeah, so people can find me on my um, website at com. And also, I'm on Facebook at at Cheryl Lachlan Author, and you can find Rebel at rebel.co, not .com, but .co. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, our Twitter handle is at Rebel at Rebel Elixirs, and, and again, it's R E B B L.
1: Awesome. Well, we will have all of those linked up in the show notes so people can just go right to the Listen Money Matters website and find all those links there if they don't know how to spell them. And uh, Andrew, do you have anything to plug or remind people of or anything for this episode? Uh,
0: Actually, when's it going live?
1: So this is going live
0: December 26th.
1: I think that's the Monday. Oh, wow. All right. Well, happy Christmas past to all of you. Mm. Hopefully it was good. Also, listofmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find all of our favorite apps, tools, books that we recommend, all sorts of cool stuff that can help you in your financial life and otherwise. And you can also find all of our more premium tools, including our real estate uh, re- research evaluation tool. Can't say words from today. <laughs> over at pro.listenmoneymatters.com, you'll also find our community of money nerds over there. So hey, if you have catchphrases or questions, you can send them there. And uh, until next week, we will see you. See you. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.